Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning again. It's good to be with y'all one last time. Thanks for putting up with me for a month. I appreciate it. Y'all have been so generous and kind. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is where we're going to finish up uh, our Acts series this week, this morning. And then uh, looking forward to Pastor David next week being back in the Sermon on the Mount, I believe. So definitely looking forward to that. Acts chapter 8 is where we'll be here in just a moment. So something I've noticed about... uh, humans about us is that all of us like a good journey. We like, we like a trip. It doesn't have to be a vacation, but we love a good journey. So that could be uh, the outdoors, but it's certainly not limited to the outdoors. But just to give you some examples of what I mean by uh, we enjoy a good journey, maybe that's um, a hike is, is, speaking of the outdoors, a hike is a journey. Maybe a journey down a river you know, moving to, I was talking to some folks in the last service that just moved to Lubbock and moving is a journey, amen, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so that maybe we don't love that kind of journey. But anyways, uh, maybe I found, you know, our, our kids are one and a half now and they're a, a blast. I found that raising kids is a journey. Um, maybe for some of you, retiring is a journey, figuring out what that looks like. Maybe moving uh, schools or starting a new degree, degree program could be seen or feel like a journey. But whatever the case, all of us love a journey or a trip. And I think there are different things that we love about it. So maybe for some people, it's getting to the destination is, is what's exciting and, and thrilling. Maybe for some people, it's the community that you have while you're, while you're on a journey. Maybe for some people, it's the really good food you get to eat while you're on the journey, right? Whatever it may be, amen. <laughs> um, all of us love different things about a journey. And what I want us to do here this, this morning, I, I'm going to give you permission to talk in church. What I want you to do, if you're by yourself, that's okay. You could, if you want, you can slide down and talk to someone or you can just think about it. But I want you, I'm going to give you about a minute, a minute and a half to discuss what are some of the things that you enjoy about a journey. Again, it could be a journey of any kind. And then afterwards, I'll let a few brave souls uh, give me your answers. So I really do want you to discuss what are some things that you love about a journey. Make sense? All right, y'all go ahead and discuss it. You can talk. It's okay. <laughs> Pastor David's here, but he's not watching. <laughs> All right, hopefully you've had, as it quiets down, I can see that hopefully you've had a chance to, to talk about it for a second. Now, listen, there's no, there's no really wrong answers here. I guess there could be a weird answer, but there's no really a wrong answer. So does anybody have an answer for what you love about a journey? Coming home, coming home. No lie to you, all three services, the first answer I've heard is coming home. <laughs> wow, man, okay. So we have some homebodies. That's okay, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, coming home, it is good to come back home. Uh, somebody else, I heard one over here, I thought. Hey, yes, absolutely, Brother Phil. Yeah, the surprise of something new is thrilling. And we're going to come back to that one. I love that one. What else? Meeting new people, is that what you said? Absolutely. That, that's so much fun. Yeah, that community. I was telling one of the services that um, 
I remember growing up, our church, so Jacksonville, Florida is, you know, it really is east as you can go, essentially, on the coast there. And we would, every summer, we would take, I guess for about eight years there, we would take about nine or 10, uh, 15 passenger vans, and we would travel from Jacksonville to Mexico, uh, just south of McAllen, I think Reynosa is the city there, in these 15 passenger vans, which sounds terrible, but when, as a, like a 12-year-old with all my buddies, I thought it was the coolest thing ever, right? So one, just people you do know, but also even finding new friends, like she said, that's good. What else? What else do you love about a journey? The adventure with your wife. Man, let's give that man a hand right there. Yeah, he's on top of it. Uh, absolutely. Yes, sir. Someone have one over here, I thought? Bringing back memories, for sure. Yeah, you go and you create these memories when you see things. Absolutely. You know, all good stuff. I want to come back to Brother Phil's here about surprise. I do think there's something about a journey that is fun um, around the idea of surprises. I remember when I proposed to Lauren about nine, I went home to propose to Lauren about nine years ago. So I was already living here in Lubbock, working at Southcrest, but she was still in Jacksonville. And uh, I remember when I, when I showed up at the door that night to propose, the first thing she said was, what are you doing here? <laughs> Which honestly was what I was going for. I wanted her to be surprised. So I wasn't mad about that. And then she, I could tell in her face that she realized what was happening. And she, she looked very beautiful, but she looked at what she had on and she said, I can't wear this. I have to change. <laughs> and so she went and changed and we finally got in the car to go uh, on what I had planned. And I remember we got in the car and we had been driving for maybe 60 seconds and she like leans kind of close and she's like, so where are we going? What are we doing? <laughs> and I said, I'm not telling you, right? Because that's part of the fun of the journey is the surprise of what's going to happen. It would have been really lame if I'd have been like, well, I have five bullet points I want to share with you. Like, No, it was just, it's a journey. We're going to go have fun together. Well, while a surprise can be fun, it can also be terrifying. Right? Some of you who on the DISC assessment have a C personality. Um, if you don't know what that means, it's okay. But it means you're a little more organized and like to have things in order. It's, the idea of a surprise may stress you out, right? Because you have to trust the guide. You have to trust that some of you are like, mm-hmm, that's me. <laughs> um, you have to trust that they're going to lead you to the right place, the right time, all that kind of stuff. Now, when we think about a journey, I really do think it's a great picture for the Christian life. That's why when we rebranded and rethought the university ministry, young adult ministry last summer, we, we said, hey, let's call it the journey because the Christian life is full of ups and downs and twists and turns and, and surprises where we have to trust our guide. Am I right? We have to trust our guide. Now question, who, as Christians, who is our guide? Yeah, the Lord is, right? And I would say specifically when we talk about leading us in the ins and outs of daily life and that still small voice, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, right? Again, three in one, God, I get that. But the Holy Spirit within us as believers, leading us and guiding us and, and speaking to us. And Christ said that the Spirit would do that. He would guide us into all truth. And have you noticed how the Holy Spirit as our guide, every now and then, he just kind of, taps you, not, not physically where you're like, who touched me? But <laughs> kind of metaphorically kind of taps you on the shoulder to do something. You ever sense that? Or maybe it's like, it, it's sometimes described as like a whisper or you feel this nudge 
to go do something. Maybe it could be something as big as move or to go talk to someone or whatever. But sometimes he does that. He gives us these nudges. He gives us these little pushes to go and do something or to go and to, to make a change in our life. That seems a little bit, sometimes if I'm honest, they can feel a little bit random on occasion where you kind of want to say, are, are you kidding me? God, are you really telling me to do that? Well, I love the story in Acts chapter 8. It starts in verse 26 about Philip because it's a story that really gives us some insight into what God is doing, what our guide is doing when he gives us that nudge, when he gives us that surprise of a new detail or a new turn in the story, when he, when he taps us on the shoulder and wants us to do something, it really gives us some insight into what God is doing and really kind of what happens when, when we respond to God's leading and nudging and tapping on the shoulder and, and guiding. And the, the story, the man the story is about is a man named Philip. And if you're like, who in the world is Philip? So Philip, if you remember last week, we talked about in Acts chapter 6 through 8, um, and particularly chapter 6, where uh, they needed more help with the ministry. And so they appointed seven men, and two of those seven were Philip and Stephen. Now, if you remember from last week, Stephen, he was brutally murdered, right? He was martyred. He was stoned to death. And when that happened, if you remember from last week, the believers scattered abroad. And Philip was one of those who scattered. Now here's the, here's the quiz from last week. When the believers were scattered from Jerusalem, they went out to Samaria and Judea, what did they keep doing? Preaching, A plus, great job, yeah. They, they kept preaching the word and Philip was one of those people. So he was in Samaria preaching and then in Acts 8, 26, God kind of tapped Philip on the shoulder with some new instructions. I'm excited about us learning from his story. Before we dive into scripture, let's pray together. God, thank you for this church who, man, they love your word. They love you. And it's a privilege, it's an honor to, to get to study your word with them this morning. And so we ask that you would speak clearly, God, and just open our eyes and hearts to, to what you have for us. It's your name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And I love Luke's little comment here. This is a desert place. <laughs> so I love this. Philip's in Samaria doing ministry and the Holy Spirit taps, again, metaphorically taps Philip on the shoulder and says, hey, I want you to go to Gaza. Here, here's what's interesting. First of all, he doesn't tell him what he's going to be doing. He doesn't tell him why he's going there. He just tells him where he's going. And honestly, where he's going is a desert place. <laughs> a little bit random, you could say. I was, I was talking with some couples earlier in the hospitality room, and one of them had just, did I already say this? Sorry, Pastor David and I talk about, by the third service, you can't remember what you said and what you haven't said. <laughs> so I apologize. But um, they were saying that about this part, about Gaza and the desert, they said, you know, we just moved here. And if we're honest... We feel kind of like Philip, like God has called us to the desert. And I was like, you take that back right now. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love Lubbock, but I just kind of smile with him because it can feel like that if you just move here. But um, yeah, he called him to the desert, kind of a random place. Now, what I love is, is God still does this. God still nudges us, taps us on the shoulder and has us do things that we're not sure what he really wants us to do yet, why he wants us to do it. And if we're honest, it can seem kind of random. So how that may look, maybe it's when 
you're just driving along and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit kind of puts someone on your heart that you need to pray for. You ever experienced that? Or maybe there's, it's like the Holy Spirit brings someone to mind that you need to text or give them a call and you're like, God, why in the world are you bringing them to mind? I have no idea. Or maybe it's this nudge to a little something bigger to, to move cities or a nudge to consider a new career. Or maybe it's a little tap on the shoulder um, to just go and study somewhere different for the day or go and change up your work routine. You're like, Lord, I'm not sure what you're doing. Uh, or if you're like me, sometimes you're like, I'm not even sure if this is you, Lord. I don't know if you're guiding me or if I, if I ate some bad Mexican food earlier. Like, like, I don't know what's really happening here. Whatever the case, Philip was confident it was the Lord. And it says he went, verse 27, he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So think about this. Philip got to the desert, got to the desert, excuse me. And when he got there, I would assume to his surprise, because he's in a desert, there's another person there. But it's not just any person. It says, who was it? The Ethiopian, right? But he's not just any Ethiopian. He was a court official. He was in charge of the queen of Ethiopia. He was in charge of her finances. So this is a wealthy, honored, distinct, learned man. <laughs> not just some random guy, though it is kind of random that this guy is passing through the desert when Philip shows up there. And I love what it says. Philip sees the Ethiopian and God says, go over to his chariot. Now, I don't know about Philip or about you, but I don't know how I would respond if I was just walking along in the middle of nowhere and saw a car driving by and God said, hey, go join that car. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, what, what in the world? Like, why? What are you doing? What am I going to say when I get over there? And haven't you had that experience where you feel like God is kind of nudging you to do something and you're kind of like, why would I do that? That's going to be so awkward. I think about my, our uh, college student friend, Jessica. I, I mentioned this story a few months ago in here, but she was in class and felt like God put someone very specific on her heart that she was supposed to go to and introduce herself to. And she was like, but why? Like, like having this conversation with God in the back of the class, like, why would I go over there? And what am I going to say to her? Now, if you haven't been there as a Christian, I promise you will be. When God's kind of nudging you, kind of trying to get you off your, your tail, and, and you're like, I, why? What, what am I going to do? <laughs> Regardless of what Philip may have been feeling, says he went. Verse 30, Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? Which if we can just pause just for a moment, it's kind of a, kind of a funny question, right? I feel like if you're on a plane or at a coffee shop, it's a common question to ask, hey, what are you reading? But to ask, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of bold, maybe even a little offensive. But surprisingly, look at the Ethiopian's response. He asked him if he understands in verse 31. And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, this is amazing that, and really surprising, <laughs> to go back to Mr. Phil's word, surprising that the Ethiopian 
would have Philip come get in his chariot. Mainly because this is a man of stature, of prestige, and Philip's just random dude standing in the desert, <laughs> right? But he says, hey, come up and join me in my chariot. And did you notice when Philip approached the chariot, what was the Ethiopian reading? Yeah, he was reading from the book of Isaiah. But let me tell you, not just any passage in Isaiah, as random as Isaiah may seem, not just any passage. Check this out. Verse 32. The passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself? Or about someone else. Now keep in mind, Isaiah was written about 700 years before the time of Christ. And the, the Ethiopian asked Philip, hey, who is this passage about? So I want to ask you, who was Isaiah 53 about? Jesus. Even if you weren't familiar before with Isaiah 53, when you read that passage, you get, if you're familiar with the gospel, it should bring back thoughts of what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah, if you read Isaiah 53, it's all about Jesus. Now, the Ethiopian, he didn't know that. And he asked Philip a fair question when he says, who is this about? It's a fair question and really an important question that makes sense that he would want to know. Because in Isaiah 53, it says there was a coming one who would suffer so that he could bring salvation. There was a coming one who would be wounded, but by his wounds, people would be healed, that he would be beaten and have stripes on his back from the beating. But from his stripes, the people would have peace with God. So rightfully so, the Ethiopian says, hey, I want to know who this guy is. Now, I don't know, but I can just imagine <laughs> that as he asked Philip that question, and maybe already leading up to this, that Philip is going, I think God is doing something. <laughs> so first of all, God told me to come to this desert Seemed kind of random, but I came to the desert. I get to the desert, and here's, of all people, there's an Ethiopian coming through on a chariot. Then God tells me to go talk to him, which feels a little random and awkward, but I went and talked to him. And when I go up to the chariot, he's not just hanging out. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. And more than that, he wants me to tell him how to understand it. I think Philip is going, Man, God is doing something right here. This is kind of like, when you've been praying for someone and finally they reach out to you and say, hey, can I talk to you about what God is doing in my life? And you're like, oh, God's been hearing my prayers. <laughs> it felt really random that I was praying for them, but God's doing something. Or God puts someone on your heart and you're like, God, okay, I don't know why you want me to text this person, but I'm going to. And you text them and 20 minutes later they respond with this book of a text and they're like, Man, here's what's going on in my life. I'm mean, having a hard time, but you reaching out to me reminds me that God is real. Can you pray for me? And you're like, God is doing something. <laughs> or you finally, not finally, but you reach out to that coworker and you ask if you can share the gospel with them. And they're like, you know what? Actually, I've noticed something different about you. I've been kind of curious. Could you tell me about Jesus? In that moment, you realize God is doing something. The question is, what should we do in that moment? Should we go, 
All right, I'm glad you asked. I have a 45-page presentation on the gospel I would like to share with you. Or should you say, oh, man, I knew I should have taken better notes when Pastor David was preaching because now I need him. <laughs> or should you go, I knew I should have gone to seminary, would have been ready for this. <laughs> no, you should do what Philip did. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth. <laughs> And beginning with this scripture, Isaiah 53, he told him the good news about Jesus. Now, this is just a little cul-de-sac. We're going to stop here. This is not like the point of the sermon. But that's what evangelism is. I think we overcomplicate it and worry that we're going to mess it up. And I don't know enough. Evangelism is just telling people about the good news of Jesus. It's that simple. That though I'm a sinner who has rebelled against God and turned my back on God over and over and over again, he has loved me and pursued me to the point of death on a cross. That though I've wanted nothing to do with him, he has pursued a relationship with me and wants me to call, call me his own child, his own son or daughter of God. Or like Tim Keller says that apart from Christ, I'm more wicked and evil than I could ever even dare to imagine. But in Christ, because of what he did for me, I'm far more loved and accepted than I ever could dare to hope. (laughs) The good news of Jesus. So Philip began to tell him the good news of Jesus. Says verse 36, as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, hey, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This dude got saved. Amen. Amen. He heard the good news of Jesus and he believed in Jesus. And so they're passing along. He says, well, shoot, let's just do this thing. I'm ready to get baptized. So he got baptized right there after believing in Christ. This is amazing. Now, you may be like, hey, what's going on where, you know, it says the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and all of a sudden he, he like disappears. Well, the good news is Pastor David is here and he would love to answer any questions you may have about that, that verse. No, I'm kidding. Um, he, he really may, I don't know. Um, no, I th- two things. One, clearly something supernatural is going on there, right? But second of all, also clearly, that's not the point of the passage. I, I think it's interesting, but I don't think we need to get distracted there. The point is Philip listened to, followed God's leading as he kind of tapped him on the shoulder. Go to the desert. Go join this guy. Tell him the good news about me. And the dude, the Ethiopian, the dude, the Ethiopian became a follower of Christ. I, I think the, the kind of the punch of this passage, the big idea is in that. What happens when we follow the Lord's direction, even when it may feel random or odd, the Lord is going to use us in incredible ways. <laughs> Maybe even more specifically, did you notice how over and over, the, it's very obvious the Lord was working. That was a divine appointment. You may have heard that phrase before. <laughs> that was a divine appointment that clearly God was working. And he was inviting Philip to join him. 
So another way you could say it, what happens when you follow the Lord's direction to engage in what appears to be random activity? You get to join in on what he's already doing. (laughs) When he gives you that little nudge, that little tap on the shoulder, he's inviting you to join in what he's doing. And it may be something huge. It may be something small. In Philip's case, do you realize this? This was the beginning of the gospel going to Africa. (laughs) How cool was that? That Philip going to this desert, so random, so odd, actually sent the gospel to Africa. Because the Ethiopian, as he left on his way rejoicing, he was going back to Ethiopia. And with him was the gospel. So listen, when you follow the Lord's direction, his leading, you may not be like Philip and get to see exactly what happens. But I promise you, you're always being used by God when you follow his leading. He's always up to something. It may seem small and, in, and insignificant and random to you, but because God is at work, it is not small, insignificant, or random. He's doing big things. And he invites us to join him as he nudges us and leads us, even though there may be a few surprises on the way. Now, if you're like me, I'm going to assume you're like me, and that thinking about the Holy Spirit's leading and direction is something I'm just, if I'm honest, not used to thinking about and processing. I don't know if it's just how I was raised or what, but when I think about the Holy Spirit guiding me and and telling me what to do, that's something I'm not real, maybe even familiar with or comfortable with. And so when I studied this passage, I thought, man, I need some some things to kind of help me process this when I do feel like maybe the Lord is leading me and nudging me. Do y'all feel kind of that same way? It would be helpful to have some some tools. Well, I'm going to give you some. Um, And I've kind of titled these five things. I know Pastor David's back. I've got a coat on. I've got notes on the screen. It's going to be crazy. I'm just kidding. Um, But I do want to give you some five things that are going to be on the screen to help you kind of process. The way I've kind of titled this this little note section is things to remember when I feel like God is, is leading me. Things to remember when I feel like God is nudging me. And so here's the first thing. God chooses when he wants to tap you on the shoulder. This is what God does. You can't make God do this. You can't like, oh, all right, God, you're going to tell me what to do today. <laughs> no, he chooses when he wants to lead you and to nudge you and to tap you on the shoulder. And so you know what the good news is there? You don't have to feel guilty when you don't sense that. You don't need to walk around in shame and, well, I just didn't feel like God told me to pray for anybody today. No, like he chooses when he leads you, nudges you. I'm going to come back to that idea in a second. The second thing I want you to see is you should always check it with Scripture. You sense God is leading you, nudging you to do something, check it with Scripture. If you feel like, man, I feel like the Lord is leading me to punch my neighbor in the face, that's not the Lord, right? (laughs) That is someone else. Um, So always check it with Scripture to, to see what God says. And on that note, to tie point one and point two together, when you feel like, man, I don't feel like God is leading me. I don't feel like he's been nudging me. I don't feel like he's really telling me what to do. Here's the good news. You have 66 books. You have the Bible right here full of God's word to you. Amen? To lead you, to guide you, to direct you, to nudge you. So whether you feel it or not, if the scripture says you should do it, you should do it. <laughs> so how silly to be like, well, I don't, I don't know if, if, if God's leading me to to go share the gospel with that person. Well, two things. We know that Satan is not telling you to go share the gospel with that person. And the second thing, 
Scripture tells us to share the gospel. So you know what? Get after it. Go for it. That leads us to our third thing, and that is you, you can act even when you don't feel led. And I would even change it a little bit. I would say maybe you should act even when you don't feel led. So if Scripture tells me to do something, whether I feel this tap on the shoulder or feel it in my gut, because Scripture tells me to do it, I'm going to do it. So you don't have to, quote, feel led to go on a mission trip because Scripture tells you to make disciples of all nations. With me? You don't have to feel led to text someone to tell them you're praying for them because Scripture tells us to build community, to keep each other accountable, to pray for one another, to encourage one another. So just because you don't feel it doesn't mean you can't do it. Fourth thing, I love this one. Look people in the eyes and ask God to help you. Look people in the eyes and ask God to help you. My wife works with this uh, really cool lady uh, named Holly, and she is one of those people that's like when you're talking to her, you feel like she can see into your soul. It's awesome, but also terrifying. <laughs> but she, she's honestly, she's an incredibly godly woman who I would say is a great example of what we're talking about today, like Philip, of, of following the Lord's leading, following the Lord's nudging and taps on the shoulder. And so one day I, I had the privilege of, Lauren and I were talking with Holly and Lauren ended up having this different conversation. And so I was talking with Holly and even as we were talking, I felt like she was just, I feel like as she was speaking, man, the Lord was really moving and she was saying some really encouraging and challenging and um, appropriate things that, man, this seems like they're from the Lord. And so I kind of leaned in and, and asked her, hey, you're, I told her first, I said, you're really good at I feel like following the Lord's direction and saying what he would have you to say and not just spouting out your opinion. And I was like, I know you're going to tell me it's just the Lord. And it is just the Lord. But I was like, really, there's got to be a hint to this. There's got to be something you can give me to kind of help with this. And she kind of laughed. And she told me this right here. She said, when I'm talking with people, I look them in the eyes and I ask God to help me. So I was like, well, that's pretty simple. <laughs> just look people in the eyes and ask God to help me. And what's interesting, she pointed out, that totally goes against our culture, right? Where you're on your phone when you're talking, or you're not man enough to look him in the eye, or uh, you're just thinking about what you're gonna say. But what if we, how different would our relationships look if we started looking people in the eyes when we talked to them and took the time, slowed down enough to just ask the Holy Spirit to guide our conversation? <laughs> How different could our relationships look if we just, and I'm a fast talker, but what if we slowed down enough to ask for the Lord's guidance? And I asked her, does it ever seem like, do people ever get weirded out when you're quiet for a second and you're just kind of responding? She said, not at all. She said, actually, the, she said, it's, it's interesting. Often when I sit back and I just process for a minute and ask the Holy Spirit to speak, she said, often, they'll end up sharing something very open and honest and vulnerable that the Holy Spirit allows us to talk about because I just give them space to be open. <laughs> Man, what a cool thing. Here's the fifth thing. Choose expectation over fear. Choose expectation over fear. And here's what I would say to you. I know in a lot of countries, when they follow the Holy Spirit's leading, the nudging, the prodding to go and talk with some, to someone to go and do something, there is true danger. But y'all, in good old Lubbock, Texas, it's just not going to be that bad. Can we agree on that? 
Like if we go and to share the gospel with someone or go and pray for someone, even if it seems totally random and the Lord's leading us, it's just not going to be that bad. And think about what's the worst that like, if you're like, well, I don't know if it's really the Lord or not. What's the worst that you get home and tell your friend, your roommate, your, your spouse, whoever, say, you know, today I prayed for someone and I wasn't sure God was leading me to. <laughs> what a weird thing to say, right? Just pray for him. Choose expectation. Choose to believe that, so, that God is up to something good. Choose that over fear. <laughs> because God is always doing something. He's always at work. Now, as we close, I want to kind of give you a little picture here for this last idea of why we should choose expectation over fear. So and we're going to let this table be kind of a metaphor for us of this idea of God nudging us to go maybe talk with someone, pray with one, whatever. Tap someone, taps us on the shoulder. Um, and we'll let this chair represent the person or maybe even the thing that God is wanting us to do. Maybe it's a thing being maybe move or change careers or whatever. As God leads us, if this chair represents that and this represents our chair, are you with me? Often I feel like what it is, we're over here and we view God as telling us to go over there. And we're like, man, I don't know, Lord. Like, I see that empty chair, but what are they going to say? What are they going to think? And why do I have to go over there? What if they get weirded out? I don't know. And we choose fear. Let me continue the metaphor. I'm going to go grab something. Don't be alarmed. It's just right over here. <laughs> when we choose fear over expectation and we psych ourselves out, we're forgetting a very important person. <laughs> that the Holy Spirit is already there. <laughs> and it's not that God is telling us to go over there, it's that the Holy Spirit is already at work like we saw in the story of Philip and he's inviting us to come join what he's doing. He's inviting us to be part of how he's working in the person's life or what he has for our future. So it's not so much that God is saying, go as God is saying, I'm inviting you to be a part of the journey. <laughs> I'm doing big things and you are invited. If I could just say it maybe simply, I think the takeaway from this passage, your invitation awaits. God's at work and you are invited. So as we respond this morning, if you're a Christian, I really think the response this morning is just to say, here I am, Lord. Wherever you lead me, wherever you want to send me, I'll go anywhere. I just want to follow you. Whenever, when you tap me on the shoulder, I'm going to choose expectation over fear and I'm going to go and I'm going to do what you want me to do because I believe you're inviting me to be part of your journey. But if you're not a Christian this morning, maybe your response should be that of the Ethiopian. You've heard the good news of Jesus and this morning you just need to respond <laughs> to realize that God is inviting you to salvation, to a relationship with him, to forgiveness, to hope, to a future in heaven with him. And so your response this morning just needs to be to respond to the gospel. So in a minute after I pray, there'll be some pastors down front and they would love to pray with you. They would love to encourage you. They would love to answer any questions. But no matter what God is doing, he may be doing something I didn't even mention, but whatever he's doing, God is doing big things and you are invited. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services 
or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.